Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. I don't want to crash your Christmas, but I'm going to mess with your manger just a little bit tonight. When we read the book of, of Luke that actually tells us the story of Jesus being born, that's not there, but we can find out exactly what is there. I want you to hear this. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now hang on, there's no innkeepers. And it's not an Airbnb. That last word, in, is where we get this narrative that we tell and we've seen in pageants year after year after year. And we have this image in our mind. But here's the, the problem. is when Luke wrote this, he wasn't at all describing a rented room at a hotel. In fact, the word that he used is best translated as guest room or spare room in a private house, a private residence, a, a person's family home. He used the same word when he talked about the upper room where he would take the, the last supper with the disciples. Same word that he would use when he talked about Jesus meeting with the disciples after his resurrection. There is a Greek word that Luke uses when he writes another part in Luke 10 about the Good Samaritan. There's an innkeeper and there's a Greek word that means hotel or Airbnb. But the word that Luke uses here shows that he is describing a guest room in a private residence or a family home. So I want you to picture this story. Mary and Joseph are traveling into Bethlehem. And verse 3 tells us what? That it's, it's Joseph's hometown. This is a kind of a homecoming to a small village town. Some of you grew up, any of you grew up in a small town? You know small town life? Bethlehem's a small town, and lots of people are coming in to be counted for the census. Joseph and Mary are going to his small hometown. Verse 4 tells us he's not just somebody from Bethlehem, but he's from the house and the family of David. We're talking about King David. Big deal here. Joseph isn't just a small town boy returning home. He's a small town boy of the line of King David. So listen, as he comes into Bethlehem and nobody's saying, we don't have room for you, right? People are like, it's him, our guy. He's been gone for so long. Tell us what's life been like. We've got room for you here. And culture would demand, custom would demand at this moment that family would receive him. And so most likely, Mary and Joseph come into Bethlehem and his family, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, cousins, somebody warmly welcomes them into their home and they set up camp, maybe even with other extended family who've come in to be counted for the census. But if you keep reading, Luke also says that it wasn't just in the last minute they show up and they're trying to find a place to stay, but it seems like they've been in Bethlehem sometime before Jesus is born. Look at verse 6. It says, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Don't know if it was a day or two, a week or whatever, but 
But it seems Luke is saying that they were already in Bethlehem staying somewhere with someone, most likely family or a close friend, when Mary began to go into labor. So they're not running around pounding on doors, just begging, does anyone have a space for us? And everyone says, oh no, there's no room for you. That's not what Luke writes. Most likely, they're in a family home surrounded by family, and, and they are just looking at this point for a proper place and the right kind of space for her to deliver her baby. Now, the second image I want to mess with just a little bit, it's of the manger, of the, the barn and the stable where Jesus was born. It's only with a modern or Western mindset and sensibility that we think about the barn being way back here in another structure because the horses are where? They're in the back, right? So we think about a barn or stable being off apart from the family home. That way the stinky animals and all of that mess would be as far away as possible from everyday life. But it was normal in Jewish culture in the first century for the animals to be kept in the family home. In fact, if you look into archaeological studies, you can find floor plans of Judean homes in the first century. Two main floor plans you might find. One, you come in the front door of a home, and the first room that you find is the stable. It's under the roof of the family home. That's where the animals are kept. They're kept there because they're safe there from the elements. They're safe from people who would seek to steal them, and because their body heat can keep the family warm on a cool night in Bethlehem. As you go through the stable, you come a little further in, and now you're in the main living room, which also serves as the sleeping room for most of the family. And then there is a spare room or a guest room, which might be above an upper room or might be to the side. Or if you're wealthy, you might have multiple guest rooms. You might keep stuff in there for storage throughout the year, but when people come in town, you open it up and clear it out so that they can stay with you. It's one floor plan. Another floor plan, you might have seen this somewhere before online, a lot of people would build their homes off of caves. You'd find a small cave and build your home on the front of it. So in this scenario, you come in the front door, you're in the big family room, the living room, the sleeping room. Then you have your guest rooms to the side or, the, or to the top. And then you go a little further back, a little further in, and you in end up in a cave. And this is where they would keep their prize ox or their, their prize sheep. That way it would stay safe. And again, the body heat would keep the house warm. And so put all of this together. What I want you to see is on this this particular story, Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem to be counted for the, reg for the register for the census, along with a lot of people who had to go to their hometown for the census. And they're probably staying with a family member and maybe other family members, and they're crowded into this house like some of your homes are right now with family. They're crowded all together in this house, and time came for Mary to give birth, and they needed to start looking for where is the right place. The, the verse, actually, what it says in, in Luke 2, 7 is there was no space for them in the guest room for her to give birth. And I love thinking about it this way because it, it puts in my mind just this beautiful truth that God didn't kick Jesus out of heaven. He didn't send his son out of heaven to be thrown in some lonely, isolated barn in the cold and the dark with no one and no love and no support and nothing around him. But God sent his son into a family of origin to surround him with. And from the moment he was born, Jesus likely had family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandma, grandpa, had, had people holding him and loving him and kissing him and, and showing him their acceptance and their care. He was surrounded by the love of a family. The only problem was there was no space in the guest room. There was no room in the spare room, especially for the chaos of childbirth. So they adapted. The family looked around and they found a proper and a right place for a family member 
to enter into the world. Now, you and I all know that there are plenty of people who have no room for Jesus. And we would say Herod was the first one who had no room for Jesus. He was against him from the very beginning. That another king would be born uh, is something that Herod outright rejected and, and was sending people to try to find him and kill him. And later we know as Jesus grew up and he began to reveal who he really is, the son of God and the son of man, the one come to save. And he began doing things and saying things that only God can do. There were plenty of people. There were religious leaders and there were people all throughout the community who would have no room for Jesus. But on the night of his birth, Jesus was embraced. He was embraced by a family. He was embraced by shepherds. He was, he was, he, the room was made for him. Now, I, I tell you this, those, that family, they probably had no clue who this baby really was entering their home. They didn't know this was the, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mary did. Joseph understood something. This family knew that they had a new family member come into their home, and they made room for a family member to enter the world. Now, it, it reminds me of another family home, another uh, private residence where Jesus entered a home just a few chapters later in Luke chapter 10. It's the home of Mary and Martha. Listen to this. Now as they were traveling along, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed, her, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Some of you are laughing because you're going, yeah, I got that right now at my house waiting on me. But the Lord answered her, answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're so worried and you're so bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's home. And Martha immediately jumps into action doing what custom, what tradition, what culture would ask her to do. She seats Jesus in the proper place and she jumps into action preparing a, a lavish and extravagant meal to honor a distinguished and honored guest into her home. And as she does this, Mary responds in a very different way. And, and I, I think a lot of times when we read the Mary Martha story, a lot of us jump to the conclusion that the moral of the story is that it's better to sit at the feet of Jesus than it is to serve him. I think that would be a mistake to, seem, to assume that's the moral because this happens right after the Good Samaritan story in which Jesus outright commands us we are to serve him by loving others in practical ways. And so Jesus isn't offended by Martha serving him, but there's a problem. And here's the problem. It's in verse 40. Martha was, somebody say distracted, Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And then Jesus says this to her, Martha, Martha, you're so worried. You're so bothered about so many things. The problem wasn't Martha's service. The problem is that she had allowed customs and expectations and traditions and culture to determine how she would view Jesus coming into her home and how she would view him as a person in her home. And it distracted her from what matters most. And what mattered most is in verse 42. Jesus says, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What's the one thing? The one thing is to recognize that when Jesus enters the room, it changes everything. 
the one thing that Mary did that Jesus vouches for and says, this is the good thing, the good part, is Mary saw Jesus enter the room and she ordered her life in a way that she would slow down and she would stop doing and she would start receiving life from Jesus. You, you could say that when Jesus entered this family's home, Martha received him warmly and she made room for him, right? She received him warmly and she made room for a distinguished house guest in her home. So Martha did. When Jesus entered this home, Mary saw Jesus and she made room for Jesus to be everything. Martha said, Jesus, I see you, I honor you, you sit right here, this is a great spot, it's a good spot for you, I'm going to handle everything, please be a guest in my home. And Mary said, Jesus, you are here, and that is everything. And the, the, the wonderful thing here, Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good part, listen to this, which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, all of these things that we can be consumed with, anything that a person can be consumed by, traditions and customs and culture and expectations on their life that they've placed or someone else has pla placed on their life, all of the work, all of the pursuits, all of the achievement, those are all things that can be taken away from us. But knowing Jesus like this, belonging to him, being his and his alone is something that can never ever be taken away from you. And here what Jesus is doing is he's inviting Martha. And I think he's inviting us as we learn from Martha. He's inviting us to make room for the one thing which really matters and can never be taken away. And that is a life lived with Jesus at the center. That's the invitation Jesus has here. Because Jesus doesn't want to be welcomed into our homes simply as a family member. And Jesus doesn't want to be welcomed into our homes simply as a distinguished and honored guest to be served. But Jesus wants to be, as Mary treated him, he wants to be welcomed as the everything in our life. And tonight, before you rush off, because we're going to get out quick, we're going to move, we've got our own traditions. We have our own next activity or gathering, whether it's with family or friends or at the Hallmark Channel or something. You're going somewhere and you're doing your next stage of the celebration, before you do, I just, just for a second, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider how all these years have passed and the location has changed, but the words, no room, ring true still. And they provide a sad and a, a very true commentary about the hearts of many men and women and children in relation to Jesus Christ. There will be room for celebration. There will be room for tradition. And we may make room for some spiritual things to accompany all of the celebration and all of the tradition. But hear me on this. Religious sentiment, good feelings about Jesus, even at, maybe especially at Christmas, religious sentiment alone is empty. And it's thin. And it's even dangerous because it fools us into thinking what we have is all that there can ever be and all that can be gained. 17th century priest and poet Angelus Cilicius said this, Though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he's not born in thee, thy soul is still forlorn. 
What that means is that it's not enough to, to look to the Jesus story and, and hear it and say, oh, that's great. I love that story. And it's not enough to, to peek into the manger and go, oh, isn't that special? What a special thing. Isn't it sweet? In your heart, just so warmed to hear that story one more time. It's not even enough to, to say, Jesus, we've got a lot going on, but we know you're very important, so we want to make room for you. I'm not sure exactly where the right room is, but we're going to squeeze it in, Jesus. We're going to make some room for you here. If you want the best Christmas ever, if you really want to experience the richness and the depth of a celebration that comes from deep, deep within, the most important thing of all is to make room to see Jesus for who he really is, the king of the universe who left eternity to enter time and left, left glory to enter and, and live as a human, who humbled himself, made himself a servant to all, even humbled himself to the point of death and then defeated death by resurrecting that we could have life in him. And no matter how busy we may be, no matter how crowded the room or the inn of our life may seem, no matter how many distractions and preoccupations may flow through our mind on a daily basis. We need to recognize who Jesus is. We need to understand what life of, with, with him at the center looks like. We need to, like Mary, embrace the good part. Embrace the idea, the reality, the fact that Jesus is God come to be with us, Emmanuel, and embrace life with God at the center. The amazing thing to me, when I think about the room we make for Jesus, is that first Jesus made room for us. You realize in the beginning, there's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they had no room for God. That was the decision they made when they ate from a fruit of a tree. Really, it was just a moment for them to say, will I follow God or will I try to be like God and do life on my own? That's what the sin was. It wasn't about a fruit. It was about, will I follow God and have him at the center or will I try to be God of my own life? They had no room for God and there's no room for that with God. And then Jesus comes and he says to humanity over and over again, I have come to make room for you. This is how he did it. Right before he was crucified, the night before he was crucified, he gathered his disciples together. He washed their feet a moment saying, I'm here to serve. I'm here to lift you up. I've come to be with you and to hold you up. And he began to prepare them for his death and his resurrection. And he said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me, through me. He said to them, trust me in this. In my Father's house there are many rooms, much mucho room. The, the spare rooms, are, they're all over the place. we got a lot of them. And if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again, and I'll receive you to myself, that where I am, I'll take you with me, that you'll be there with me also. But for many people, deep down on a gut level, there's just no room for Jesus Christ to come for what he came for. There are those who, who like Herod, they reject Jesus from the go, and there's just no room for him in your life. And for others, they make some room for Jesus like they make room for a family member. They go, I've got some affinity for Jesus. I like him. I see we're connected in some way. I want to be on Team God. I want to be on Jesus fam forever. And so I'll make some room for Jesus to be like a family member in my life. 
There are those who make room for Jesus like you make room for a distinguished house guest like Martha did. I see you, Jesus, and I know, I know you're important. You're important to me. And so please, would you be a guest in my home and I will take care of everything. You just stay here. But Jesus said that he didn't come for any of that. He came for that which Mary gave him. He came to be the center of the room. And Mary came and she said, oh, that you would come to me. Jesus, you have the room. You have the whole house. Jesus, you have me. You have my life. I'm yours. And that's what Jesus came for. So this Christmas, what kind of room will you make for Jesus? Can I pray for us? Lord, we come tonight a people of, uh, of chaos and distraction. And we can reflect on the truth and the power of this story that there was a house of chaos and distraction and there really wasn't the right space. The space was made for a family member. And we can reflect on the chaos and the distraction that Jesus said Martha had that kept her from the good thing that can never be taken away. I pray through all of the chaos that we would see you this morning as you intend to be seen and as you desire to be seen, as gentle and lowly of heart, as humble and accessible by all those who would turn to you. And I pray that you would give us the joy and satisfaction of laying down all culture, all expectations, all customs, all, all of these, these things we're pursuing at your feet and find time to belong to you and experience life and life abundant as you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>